The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion's making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. chapter 13, we're going to read from the New King James tonight and uh, look at these unusual texts of scripture. I think I've preached from this once or twice before. Luke chapter 13, starting in verse 1. Let's read the word of the Lord. You ready? Come on, if you're all there, say woo. All right. There were present at that season some who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all those other Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will also perish likewise. Or those 18 on whom the Tower of Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse sinners than all the other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And they also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of the vineyard, Look, for three years I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree and have found none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also and until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well. But if not, after that, you can cut it down. Well, praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank and praise you for what you did this morning, what you've done all day long, what you do every day. God, how you sustain us and carry us and bring us through. Thank you for the new people that you've brought even tonight, those that you brought this morning, the miracles, healing, restoration, provision that you're bringing upon us. And thank you for your word tonight that's a lamp unto our feet and a light upon our path. Thank you that your word is like a hammer that breaks the rock to pieces. Thank you that your word's like fire. Thank you that you stand over your word to see it performed. It doesn't return void. So do all that you want to do. Come on, lay hands on your own heart and ask God to speak to you tonight. Lord, do all that you want to do. Speak to us individually. Speak to us corporately. We'll thank you and give you all the praise. If you have the freedom to pray in your heavenly language, go ahead and do that right now. give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. No matter what you go through in life, 
You need to know and settle it tonight that God has a way through the challenge, the problem, the difficulty. God always has a word for you, no matter what season you're in. What do we do when tragedy strikes? We've, we've just had a great tragedy. There's tragedies every day. The situation in Paris, of those being killed and the terror attacks, it happened just a couple days ago. I'm uh, blessed to see the retaliation of uh, airstrikes that are taking place against ISIS as a uh, response. I'm, uh, bring it. I'm just glad about that. I mean, it's not that we want anybody to die, but you just can't take innocent lives and get away with it. That's not right. And the occasion of terror that took place in Paris, as I heard about that as I was getting on the airplane, and of course I began to think about our own nation, began to think about 9-11 and the terror attacks that took place in New York City, my hometown and how those twin towers fell and thousands of people, the images that we all saw. Where were you? Do you remember where you were when you heard about the twin towers and the, the planes that crashed and the terror attack in New York City? I can't help also but think about how Rodney Howard Brown, our friend, went and did six weeks of evangelistic outreach, the biggest that has been done in the city since Billy Graham in the 50s. And he stood there actually in that pulpit saying, what would you do if missiles hit Manhattan? He was prophesying, giving people an opportunity to give their hearts to Jesus. And where were you on 9-11? And what was your response? What was your response when you heard about Paris? What was your response when you heard about Benghazi? What was your response when you heard about some of these terror attacks? And undoubtedly, unfortunately, there's more to come. Some people go into a shell and hide. Some people try to put it out of their minds and not think about it. It's interesting to me in this text of Scripture, which is the very first Scripture I thought about the moment I heard about the Paris attacks, is this text right here. It's interesting to me how Jesus responded on occasion when he's, he's teaching. and Some people come and tell him about this, this tragedy. And uh, that people tell him, that these Galileans, they were at this temple worshiping. Now, we have no historical account of this except in Scripture, which is saying a lot. I've recently been studying about why this is the most accurate, historical, ancient manuscript that we have. You missed a great place to say amen. I mean, we, we, take, we take stories in history like the Gallic Wars and different pieces of history, and we have documents that don't even come close to the dates of when the wars were. And you're holding in your hand, you have in your possession, where we've got documents that come very close to the original writing, 70 years. I mean, that's like amazing. I, I stood... One of, the, one of the things that really impacted me was I was able to stand in uh, the place where St. Jerome uh, translated the Bible into the Latin Vulgate. The guy dedicated his entire life, lived in a cave, basically, translating the Bible, and he ended up, they ended up with hunchbacks. They were 
hunched over for so long transcribing, making sure every... You see, we don't... If somebody hands you a piece of paper and says, would you just copy this? You'll just copy it and hope that you do a good job. These guys, when they copied it, they realized that they, they would be affecting generations and realized that they would end up basically and suffer tremendous loss for making one small mistake. They believe they'd just go straight to hell. So it would add to your concentration significantly. What do you think? In fact, St. Jerome would do all of his translation with his foot on a, on a human skull. This history. He, his foot would rest on a human skull, you know, not fresh or anything. But as a reminder, as a reminder of his mortality. So we don't have, we don't have any, there's nothing in history, Josephus, so on and so forth, to tell us about this tragedy of these Galileans who were worshiping and, uh, and, and their blood was mingled. But it does speak of the psychotic nature of, of uh, Herod. He was a total psychopath. And, um, I mean, he just killed his own family and did all kinds of crazy things. It does... It, it does match to his character, but we have no other history than, than right here. So we don't know about this event, but these people come to tell Jesus about it. And you got to ask, what was their motive? And I, did I say Herod? You forgive me. Pilate. He's, can you say amen? Are you with me? There we go. Pilate, verse 1. And so you got to ask, what, what is the motive of these people telling Jesus this story? And he said, well, I'm not sure. What, why would you be asking that? Because it's just an unusual story. And you got to know that, that uh, I'm all right, Pastor. Thank you. Thank you, sir. You know, Jesus was a Galilean. They could have been threatening him, perhaps. Perhaps they were trying to elicit him in some Roman trap, getting him to agree that Pilate was evil and then get him into trouble. I mean, we don't know the motivation of what they were doing. Perhaps they were giving this illustration uh, on, on teaching, Jesus' teaching on judgment. And you know, we, don't, we don't know all the motivation of why the story was told, but the, the response of Jesus is absolutely amazing. I mean, you can't read through the Gospels and see that, that, that every time they tried to trap Jesus, he would just come up with this incredible, you know, Houdini escape. You know, should they pay taxes? Well, whose coin is on there? You give to Caesar what is Caesar's, give to God what is God's. I mean, that's just brilliant. So, from this text, we get... Some insight, I believe, on how to respond in the midst of terror attacks, how to respond or what to do when tragedy strikes, what to do when things happen. Usually in tragedies and when there's great difficulties, people like to point the finger and blame. They want, want to fix blame on somebody. I don't know, maybe that, you know, try to make ourselves feel better if we could just find out who's responsible for it. But what should our response be to tragedy? The first thing is, you have your notes, Roman numeral two, don't judge the victim. Don't judge the victim. Don't think that you're better than the people that got killed or point your finger at somebody. I, I, I think I offended some folks this morning in my, uh, in my preaching talking about um, 
sin and how sin is many times a, an open door for sickness, which is absolutely true. But it doesn't mean that because somebody has sickness that they've got some sin door open. Do you understand? Because it could just be because of the fallenness of, of, of mankind or the frailty of your own physical body. For instance, this evening, I've, I've traveled 30 hours. I, w I, I took a nap. I didn't even know where I was when I woke up. I didn't know what day it was. I don't know where I was. And, and so I'm thinking, I had to ask my wife. I figured out I'm in my house. I knew that much. I could not grasp what was happening. What day is it? And so I said, I said, I said Karen, what, what, what day is it? She goes, I don't know. <laughs> and I'm like, Jesus. I'm looking at the clock, it's like 5 o'clock, but it's dark out. And when I left, you know, it was just a little bit lighter, you know, something that's like, 5 o'clock, Jesus, Karen, Jesus. And she's like, Sunday, I'm like, Sunday, 5 o'clock. I know I preached this morning, it started coming to me. It's 5 p.m., 5 p.m., get up, get up. If I don't tie that in, you just enjoy it. Oh, I, I got it. So, you know... Physically, I'm exhausted, which is fine. I'm, I'm singing and worshiping the Lord, and my vocal cords are failing. Now, I haven't done any preach. My vocal cords are failing from just exhaustion, temperature change, all kinds of stuff. And the Lord speaks to me and says, take it easy on your voice. Easy. Okay. So if my vocal cords are tired or if I blew up my voice, does that mean that I'm in sin? It's just I'm tired. Okay. Sometimes sickness comes because of the frailty of our own human bodies and, and because of sickness. If you want to blame somebody, blame Adam. Blame the devil. Blame him. But you can't get away from the reality that sin will also open the door. Habitual sin will open the door for the enemy to, to wreak havoc in your life. And... And that is, you see this in the, in the writing here. Do you think there were worse sinners than all the other Galileans? And he says, no. He says, no, listen, don't, when tragedy happens, don't judge. Don't judge people when tragedy happens. We always have a, to see our, a, a, a tendency to see ourselves as better than the next guy. Oh, not you. Okay. No, we, we all have a tendency to, because we're just fallen people that have pride it's God's grace that your heart's beating within your chest tonight it's God's grace that you didn't die from the influenza last winter it's God's grace when you were spinning the spinning in the car thing it's God's grace you didn't you know crash into somebody on the way to Anchorage and God forbid if you had a crash it doesn't mean that you were all in sin but you should check yourself come on just do a little spiritual MRI and see how you're doing. Jesus makes it clear by asking two questions verse, in verse 2. Look at verse 2 with me. Do you suppose that all these Galileans were worse sinners than all the others? Because they suffered such things. He's asking that to the crowd. And their response, we, we don't know their response, but their response really is like, you know, that's right, a bunch of sinners. <laughs> that's kind of their response. And he says, no. And then in verse, in verse 4, or these 18 on whom the Tower of Siloam, 
fell and killed them, or they were sinners. And he says, he basically says, no, they're not. Listen, when tragedy strikes, don't judge victims. Don't, don't, don't judge them. When bad things happen, it's not our job to judge. I'll tell you what it is. It is our job to pray. It is our job number two, which is profound. This is profound. This is, this is like God talk right here because no man would think of this part. This, this is the kind of thing when you read in Scripture, you realize, you read things like this, you realize, yeah, that's got to be God because man's just not going to come up with that. So when tragedy strikes, what's our response to be? Repent. What? You repent. I repent. We repent. When tragedy happens, there needs to be repentance on our side, on our behalf. That's what he says, verse 2. I tell you, no, unless you repent. Come on, say repent. Go ahead, say it. Repent. Yeah, repent. So what to do when tragedy happens is repent yourself. You repent. Take a look at your life. Take a look at how are you doing with God. Where are you at with the Lord? That's what he says. No, you repent. Or like, you'll likewise perish. Verse 2. Verse 5. Same thing. No, I tell you. Unless you repent, you will likewise perish. All of a sudden, Jesus begins to speak about an aspect of our being that we don't like to deal with a whole lot. When you see bad stuff, it's not time for us to judge. It's not time for us to hide. It's not time for us to rationalize or criticize. It's not time for any of that to happen. It's time for us to repent and, and, and deal with basically evil. Evil's real. It's not a figment of your imagination. Evil is real. There are real, there are real devils. There, is really, there really is a Satan. There's really coming an Antichrist. A false prophet. Is real. It's all, it's all of that's real. There are demon spirits that can possess somebody who then does evil beyond all imagination. Listen, those people that are doing these terror attacks, they're demonized, deceived individuals. And Allah is not our God. That is not who we worship. You know what's amazing to me? I have to digress for just a moment. All these Christian sites that we went to, especially in Turkey, most of them, well, the, almost all of them would be destroyed had they not been made um, museums. But all of them have the stamp of Islam over the top of them. I mean, they just come and build on top as a, as a sign of conquering, as a sign of submission. They build their, their, their mosques and everything. We woke up every morning to the sound of, uh, well, it was up just before, it started irritating me so bad the time that I was in Turkey. You hear the call to prayer, and it's, it's, it's like demonic. And you hear this call to prayer that just goes over the entire city, and, and I woke up to that the first day. I knew it was coming because I remember when I was 19 years old. I was telling Karen, I said, oh, this call to prayer thing, it's, you're going to hear it. It's, it's crazy. She's like, really? Yeah. So from all the minarets across the whole city is the call to prayer at a particular, a particular hour. And that if Christians could pray like the, like the Muslims do, we'd probably have revival. By the way, morning prayers tomorrow 
7 a.m. Tuesday at 7, Wednesday, 7 a.m. Some people are there a little bit early at the barn, our, our new church property. Pastor Kirsten will be leading that tomorrow morning. There are demon spirits that come. Oh, I, I meant to say that Islam putting this stamp over, it's no wonder that they wanted to put a mosque right at 9-11. Duh. I don't even know where we stand with that. I hope to God we didn't let them do that. Lord, help our country. Somebody say amen. Lord, help our country. Give us godly leadership, Jesus. So the church can do the job of evangelizing. So, he says, no, unless you repent. There, there's, there are demon spirits that can possess people and do evil that's beyond all imagination. And we live in a world where there are reactions to what people do. And I, I talked about that. If it, a tree, tree is chopped down, how many of you know? <laughs> Anybody ever fell a tree and, uh, and all of a sudden, dude, it's going the wrong way? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> You're like, the wind blows or something. You're like, no. You ever, you ever try to push a big tree when it's going the wrong way? Good luck, right, Jeff? Am I right? Yeah, you can't push a big tree. It's coming. Oh, hallelujah. We're all, listen, we are all capable of evil. Everyone here is capable of evil. You don't know what lurks in your own heart. None of us know what lurks in our heart. I said, man, that's a sobering thought. Like you think, no, I love the Lord. You're capable of evil. And it can creep in. And repentance really needs to be a, a lifestyle. When you have a, a 9-11, when you look at the film footage of Dachau and Auschwitz, Think about the killing fields of Cambodia. I mean, it's evil's real. The 1.5 million Christians, the, the Armenian Christians that were wiped out by the Turks. They don't even talk about it. We talked to our guide who's a Muslim Turkish lady, very sweet. She came to church. We invited her to church and she came to church. Remember, I was telling you about that church service we had. She came to church and she ended up lifting her hands. Dr. Morocco had me and some other leaders there go around praying for people. I looked and I saw this lady. Who, she told us she was a Muslim, but it was obvious that her heart was open to the move of God. And she had her hands lifted, man. I just jumped over a few chairs. <laughs> Prayed until she started shaking a little bit. And then I thought, well, I don't know what you're doing. Do it, Jesus. Go, Jesus. Lord, get her. Amazing. So evil's real, and we're capable of evil. We all need to repent when we see things like Paris. God help us for, for our own shortcomings. That's what Jesus is saying. How do you respond in tragedy? Don't judge. Repent yourself, because you know that, they, that you're capable of, of doing things wrong.
don't play religious games. There's, there's a power that lurks in darkness, and it wants to try to get a hold of you. Uh, l- let's look at this word repent here for a moment. Um, you know, in English, it's just the word repent means same, the same thing. Repent. Yeah. Turn around. Think. Repent. Think differently. But in the Greek, it's very, very different. In, in verse 3, if you, how many of you know the New Testament is written in Greek, the original language, and so you hold a translation in your hand. The Old Testament is written in two different languages, mostly Hebrew. A small section of the book of Daniel is written in Aramaic. And so what you hold in your hand is a translation of those languages into that which you can understand. So if you can read and understand Greek, you could read ancient Greek, then you could read it in the Greek. But when we see words like repent, especially when you see things spoken twice, like in this case, there's two different Greek words here. In verse 3, it's the present imperative tense. It means repent and continue to repent. It doesn't mean, oh, he repented today, meaning that he gave his life to the Lord and he got saved. That is what verse 5 says, though. But verse 3, it says, repent and live a lifestyle of ongoing repentance. You know, that's the, the, the gangrenous teaching of the, the, the hyper grace that's out there. It doesn't talk too much about repentance. You can't look at scripture like this and see the understanding of what that means, repent, in verse, uh, verse 3. Again, in the English, we just see repent and think it just means, yeah, repent. But it doesn't mean that. It means repent and continue to repent the rest of your life, an ongoing lifestyle of repentance. And in that hyper-gangrenous, you know, grace, the neo-Calvinism that's out there doesn't talk a lot about that. It's like, well, you just repent and it's all good and God knows and he died for all your sins so you can, you can basically live how you want to and you're forgiven. Well, this would basically destroy that right, all by itself. Repent and continue to live a lifestyle of its present imperative tense. But in verse 5, it means a single decisive moment of repentance. So he's talking about tragedy. They're trying to trap him or something. We're not sure what their motivation is. And then he says, do you think they were worse sinners? And he says, no. Unless you repent, you also are going to perish. Unless you repent, unless you continue to live a lifestyle of repentance, you're going to perish too. And then in verse 5, he says, do you think they were worse than all the others? And he says, no, but unless you repent, unless you make a single decisive moment in your life when you repent and be converted and give your life to Christ, then you're also going to suffer great loss. Come on, somebody say, wow. The third thing that Jesus tells us is to set your heart on bearing fruits of righteousness, and that's this story of the fig tree, which really represents Israel, is set your heart on bearing fruits of righteousness right in your notes. When bad things happen, don't judge. Come on, somebody say, don't judge. judge. Repent, and that means live an ongoing life of repentance and make sure you've made a decisive moment of repentance in your life. And then thirdly, When bad things happen, examine your life. See how well you're doing and see how much fruit you're bearing. How are you doing? When's the last time you led somebody to Jesus? When Have you ever led somebody to Jesus? When's the last time you shared your faith? When's the last time you 
You know, when's the last time you saw God use you in a mighty way? God using us in a mighty way can seem like a small thing to us, but it can be big to God. You know, his scale of measurement is different than ours. Sometimes we do this thing and think it's really great and maybe it's small. It's kind of like when the husband does his dishes for the wife. Does the dishes in the house. He thinks he'd get a thousand points. Like, yeah. Yes. I'm filled with the spirit. I did the dishes. Woo, feel it. You think it's a thousand points all the dudes say amen. Yeah, but your wife only gave you like 25 points. You made the bet. That's like 1,500 points. Can I get a witness? <laughs> That's only 10 points on her scale. Come on. Look, when bad things happen, don't judge. Repent yourself. And thirdly, see how your fruit's doing. Listen, we should be fruit inspectors, especially of our own lives. How are you doing? Are you bearing forth fruit of repentance? Well, how are you doing in your life? I mean, if you look in your life, is there evidence that you're a Christian? Is there evidence? I mean, could you look, if somebody looks at your checkbook, they go, oh, yeah, he's a believer. That'd be the first place I would look. You look at somebody's bank statement, and you can tell whether they're real believers or not. all you golfers and I think the thing that's you know our problem is that because we haven't felt any judgment at the moment listen to me right now listen if you didn't hear anything I said listen to the next thing I say right now I'm gonna bump your neighbor and say dude wake up our problem is that because we haven't felt the pain of judgment right now, we think it's all good. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And he's talking about the fig tree here. We're, we're looking at verse 6 and following this certain man of fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came seeking fruit. The certain man is God. The fig tree relates especially to Israel, but can also relate to us. Planted in the vineyard, we're here in this life, we're supposed to bear forth fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, fruit of the Spirit. But we're also supposed to bear forth the fruit of faith. And so this certain man, basically, God comes, takes a look, and doesn't see any fruit. Tells the keeper of the vineyard, Look, for three years I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree and I've found none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? God's a good steward. And so, so when we see things that happen that are up, they're tragedy, when tragedy hits, don't judge. What's the second thing? Repent. The third thing is set your heart on bearing forth fruits of righteousness. Take a look at your life. Take a look at your life and see how well you're bearing fruit. 
See, some of you aren't aware of the fact that God is actually taking a look at your life and he's giving you another year. Some of you, your year's about up. Smile at me. Are you telling me God's going to chop me down? I'm telling you, judgment's real. Judgment is a real thing. You say, well, that, doesn't that happen when we die? Uh-uh. It can happen. Yeah, yes, also, but it, it can happen now. Some of you ever been sent to the divine woodshed? Anybody? Besides me. Has anybody ever set up camp at the woodshed? You know, the Lord loves you. Those whom the Lord loves, he chastises. It's a, look, it's a sign that you're not a, um, I have another word going through. Thank you. You saved me. Where are you at? God bless you. Illegitimate. I had another word. King James. Going through my head. Listen, if you're being chastised, you know, it's amazing. We bear forth fruit, and it's like, good job, clip, clip. Awesome. <laughs> you ever notice that? You start bearing forth fruit, and he's like, that's, that's fantastic. Snip, 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 snip. Keep going. <laughs> Pruning. You don't hear too many songs about that. Prune me, Jesus. Prune me, prune me. Yeah, get out your loppers, Lord, and prune me. I just want to be pruned by you, Lord. <laughs> I, think I, I think I just walked into an anointing or something. Jesus, help me out. <laughs> prune me, Lord, prune me. <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. Well, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is seeking to bring forth fruit through your life. Well, what to do when tragedy strikes? Don't judge people that are in the midst of that tragedy. Secondly, take a good look at your own life. Make sure that you've had a decisive moment of repentance. Make sure you've had a decisive moment of repentance, but not only that, live a lifestyle of ongoing repentance. Take a look at your life daily, not in a condemning way, but let the Holy Spirit give you an inventory. Let him speak to you. And when he puts his finger on things, don't resist him. Yield. You know, over the years of ministry, we've seen people come in, of course, and give their lives to Jesus. And invariably, what we see is most, I mean, I, I, I pray we turn the statistics around, but most people, when they give their lives to Jesus, they don't go all the way. They, they go for a season and they run into a place where they just don't want to quite give up that. You know, so the Lord's touching them, the Lord's touching them. There's just like this grace that's on them and they come in, you know, and it's like that one brother, Aaron, is his name, Graziano. He's a good, good friend of ours and came in and I mean, he smoked so much pot, he was like a chimney, you know what I mean? 
I mean, you get a contact high from smelling his clothes. He had his own patch, and he was just constantly smoking dope. Well, he came. He came to the Lord. He got saved. He was living in a tent. You remember him, Mom? Wearing tie-dye clothes. and Not that tie-dye is wrong or anything. It's all good. Dreadlocks. He had an ant farm or centipede branch living in his hair. Really. And the Holy Spirit just started telling him, I, I want you to stop doing this now, son. And he would come to me in those early days. That he's a very successful entrepreneur now, at least 20 years later. Beautiful family. He would come to me and say, hey, uh, man, I think the Lord doesn't want me to get stoned and come to church anymore. What do you think about that? Do you think that's God? And I would say, yeah, yeah, that's God. I'm going to stop smoking pot and come to church. He stopped smoking pot and he come to church. And then soon he's like, you know what? He doesn't want me to smoke at all. I'm like, awesome. Praise God. You know what? He said the same thing to me a few years ago. Before you know it, he's not smoking dope anymore. See, but the, the Lord will come and put his finger on things. But you know what? I've seen the same thing happen where, you know, Aaron by another name guy come in he's smoking pot and all shacked up you know what I'm saying they give their lives to the Lord and God's touching me he says now now let that go because that's hurting you and they're like yeah but I like it no 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 let me have that well Lord you know my heart son let me have that it's mine my precious I want to keep it and you know, the Lord, He won't fight you. He'll let you keep it. But then what happens is your heart begins to go cold. And before you know it, you're finding yourself separate. Then you just don't feel like going to church, don't feel like reading your Bible. You don't feel like, you know. Before you know it, you start going cold. And you start rejecting the things of the Lord. And He's trying to take that from you. You're like, you know, I want it! I want it! And then in the moment, you're... You give it to them, and then you take it back. And when tragedy strikes, it's like Paris. Don't judge. Repent. Live a lifestyle of repentance, but make sure. Everybody say, make sure. Make sure you've had a definitive moment in your life where you've submitted and yielded and given your heart to Christ. And listen, do it every day. How long have you been saved? It's a question that used to hear all the time. Don't hear it so much anymore. <laughs> My mom said five minutes. Get saved every day. Thank you, Jesus. Thirdly, lastly, just in review, set your heart on bearing fruits of righteousness. Because you haven't felt the sting of your disobedience yet doesn't mean it's not coming. Because you haven't felt judgment yet doesn't mean it's not coming. Don't take his, his kindness, his weakness. He's not slack as some count slack is. No, no, he's long-suffering and he's patient. Come on, stand up on your feet. Let's sing that prune me song. Can we sing
Come on, lift your hands to heaven because that's where your help comes from. We pray for those who've suffered in Paris, God. Lord, even those who are children who are being raised without daddies because of 9-11. We pray, Lord, for the tragedy that's taken place and the terror attacks. Lord, for the persecuted church that's ISIS is trying to stomp out. We're asking God for your intervention. We're asking for your intervention. And Lord, tonight, we take a look at our own lives. Come on, repent. You repent for where you've fallen short, where you may have grieved Him. Come on, repent for where, where you didn't heed His voice. Come on, let him, let him put His finger on places of your life where you've not been in step with the Spirit of God. And maybe you've never made that definitive moment, a decision to say, I'm going to give my life to Jesus. I'm going to surrender my life to the Lord. I'm going to make Him the King of my life. I'm going to enthrone Him in my heart. I'm going to yield. I'm tired of doing life my own way. I'm asking to be your Lord and Savior. You know, we have a little formula for that. But listen, you just need to make a choice. Make a choice right now. If you have not made a decision to live for Jesus, do it now. Do it now. It's the reason you breathe it. The reason you didn't crash in the spin out. The reason you didn't die from the accident or the influenza, the overdose. The reason that you're still breathing is because he's a kind and gracious and generous, long-suffering God. And he reaches to you even through my voice right now. And he pleads with you. He pleads with you to come to him. Come unto me, he says, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If I rest for your soul. There is no satisfaction outside of him. Everything else fails. Everything else pales. Outside of him, there's no satisfaction in, complete, in completeness and wholeness. There's, outside of Jesus, there is none. There is no fame, there's no fortune, no money that can truly satisfy only Jesus. There's no sin, though it has pleasure for a season. In the end, it reaps a harvest of death. Come unto Jesus today. Call upon Him. Call upon Him right now. And then thirdly, take a look at your life. How are you doing? Examine your life. Are you bearing forth fruits of righteousness? Are you? Take a look. And if you're not, if you're not, then ask God to help you and purpose to change. Purpose to change. Come on, say this. Say, Lord, I want to bring forth fruit of righteousness. Come on, say it again. Say, Jesus, I want to bring forth fruits of righteousness. I will not let your death be in vain. Use my life to bring forth glory. Use my life to bear forth fruit. In Jesus' name. Come on, now thank you, brother. Come on, thank you, Jesus.
pray for you. I want to pray for you. Just come right to the front. We're going to pray. If you're grieving, maybe you've lost somebody. Somebody's died perhaps and you're just hurting tonight over that. You know, trauma and tragedy can be an, an open door that the enemy uses to bring forth real torment. God wants you to have peace tonight. God wants to help you, wants to heal you. Wants to pull out the the shards of shrapnel from the explosion that went off because of someone's sin. Maybe your sin, maybe somebody else's, or maybe just because of the fallenness of the world in which we live. Come on, He wants to touch you. The Holy Spirit right now. Lord, touch. Wyatt, I want to pray for you. Come right here, Wyatt. Wyatt Hall, come, I want to pray for you. Been on my heart all afternoon. Love you. God's called you. Wyatt, the call of God is upon your life. The call of God's upon your life. I confirm it to you. The Holy Spirit.
when tragedy strikes, don't judge. Repent for the only, your own evil in your own life, which every one of us battles against. Can you say amen? And thirdly, take a look and see if you're bearing forth fruits of righteousness. That's, that's what Jesus said to them. It's really an unusual teaching. Praise God. Take someone by the hand and close tonight. Do not miss Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, ministry to the whole family. We've got our youth ministry. We've outgrown our buildings, so thank God for the Lutheran church right next door to us. Don't be confused. It's called the King of Kings. They let us use their building. It's kind of a miracle. And so our youth are over there, and... Uh, that ministry's really growing. Excited about that. Mike and the whole team. Pastor Alex giving oversight to that. Just excited about what's happened in our youth. Excited about what's taking place in our children's ministry. Pastor Kirsten, you know, I, we texted her something on the phone, but I just want to say thank you again uh, to you and the whole team that did that tremendous event. Exhausting but fruitful. The Word of God went forth. You know what I think we ought to do? Let's put our hands together for what Jesus did at Pumpkin Patch. I mean, that was powerful. Praise God. Praise God. Come on. Praise God. People got saved. Glory. So blessed you and your family are here and what's taking place in Children's Church. And you still need workers over there? Always. All right. Listen, if you have a heart for children's ministry, you, you just see Pastor Kirsten over there and he'll hook you up. We've got the greatest children's ministry in the planet. I believe that. And looking forward to what God's going to do in our events that are coming. Oh, come on, God is great. Isn't he? All right, take someone by the hand. I'll hurry up so your palms don't sweat. <laughs> Father, thank you for what you've done tonight. Lord, we pray for those that are suffering and those that are hurting all around the world, the persecuted church those in Paris God for the your hand to come mightily upon us and you would help us Lord to bear forth fruits of repentance and to be a people that hold out the word of truth be a people that walk and live and bring forth the fruit of righteousness in our lives use us this week I pray for divine appointments and the blessing of God or bring us back Wednesday as I was saying Wednesday youth and children's ministry and here in the sanctuary pack this place out God release signs and wonders miracles even now release vision dream the gifts of the spirit to flow and to operate Lord bless your people this night lift up your countenance towards us be gracious to us keep us and give us peace in Jesus name amen God bless you we'll see you Wednesday night Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065 or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.